It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Yeah, what you need to know is being brought to you by Morongo Casino Resort and Spa. Good times, less than 90 minutes from wherever you are. Here she is, everybody, at U-N-E-E-Q underscore. Here's Laura Romo. All right, guys. Thanks, Scott. Always nice when you intro me because you shut up my handles. <laughs> so make sure you follow your girl. Anyways, as you guys know, March is Women's History Month, and the L.A. Rams partnered up with Nike to host a uh, flag football clinics this weekend for girls, and I thought that was pretty badass because I know a lot of people that think women should not be playing football. They're here and really? they're there. Yeah, well, that's a whole other conversation I ain't trying to have right now on the air. Anyways, they were coached by Jasmine Edwards, who plays free safety for the L.A.-based Cali War football team of the Women's Football Alliance. She's one of the many coaches that was involved this weekend. And the, cam- um, the camps were held at Edward Vincent Park in Inglewood. Shout out to Inglewood. Okay. No one up to no good. Inglewood. And along the drills, obviously they did drills. They competed. The girls heard real-life stories about these female players. And I, I don't know. I love that, man. I love when, especially as someone who played sports, and a lot of men were like, Mm, yeah. Do you really want to play that? You, you really should be doing that. I love that young women see women doing it and hear their stories and kind of get experiences. And I just wanted to shout out the Rams, you know, because that is my team, too. And Nike for putting this together. Yeah, that's cool. That's a whole lot better than that crap they used to do where they'd have people called like, I don't know, heels and touchdowns or whatever, where they'd be mm-hmm. like, here's what we're going to teach you about da 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 as if mm-hmm. you can't learn what the game is on your own. No, just play. You know yep. what I'm saying? That's how people have the most fun. That's really cool, Scott. Yeah, I've been a part of a few of these where the NFL team invites women who are really into the game, really love the sport, and they they put on these clinics and you know they bring in NFL referees to talk about the rules. They have the coaches speak. They have the players talk. And then I love the whole idea of getting out on the field and putting everybody through the drills. Clinton, I once, uh, and this is a great idea for the Rams, by the way, and I didn't come up with this idea. The, the Seattle Seahawks came up with it, and then I started to kind of share it with PR staffs around the NFL, and people started to use it. I loved it. So the Seahawks came up with this plan where they were trying to get the media to understand um, all the different things that players have to go through before the draft or during, like, the combine. So um, the Seahawks had uh, essentially what was a media combine. Okay. So you ran the 40-yard dash. Oh, this is big Kaplan territory right here. Right. You do, like, the standing broad (laughs) jump. Right. Um, You know, they put you through a gauntlet where there's, like, five coaches on one side, five on the other, and they're whipping balls at you, and you got to try and catch them. Shuttle run and all that, yeah. So I would say this to the Rams and the Rams PR staff. Having the media on the field – and being coached by the Rams coaching staff and going through all of the apparatuses, apparati, I'm not sure. You know, if you can't even use that word correctly, Scott, I'm not sure. That's something I have time to do. I'm Sean McVay. I'm the youngest coach to ever win a Super Bowl, and I certainly didn't do it by having old, washed-up radio guys run around my football <laughs> field. I'm Sean McVay. <laughs> well, you know, part of the fun of it was, Clinton. <laughs> that was would be gonna, fun, though. Was, was – 
who's going to get hurt? Right. You know, <laughs> right. and I'm telling you, like, one of the guys I saw, you know, started his 40-yard dash, and he tried to stretch out, and he tried to loosen up, and he was probably, like, in his mid-50s, and in, like, by about the 20-yard line of the 40-yard dash, hamstring pops. Oof. You know? That would be fun, though, overall. Those, those kinds of things are fun because it, it sort of allows you to remind yourself what exactly is going on in any given field if, you, if you're not the type of person that knows or has any experience with it. So jugs machines are fun. Jugs machines can be hurt, can hurt you. <laughs> but I would watch Kaplan kick against the rest of the L.A. media. That's what I would watch. Yeah, it's probably a broken leg, you know, just like waiting to happen. <laughs> Seriously, like or a, a like a messed up knee. It's just it's just old and not good anymore. Well, I can know, tell you that. Laura can, Laura can attest. We, okay, Laura and you I did went, not do that bad. Don't get all melancholy on here, like saying that you can't do stuff. Fishing, you know? fishing. He wants the compliments. I, know. I was going to say, who is this person that is speaking right now? <laughs> well, because yeah, like, this usually, is the same guy who said, I could do 50 push-ups, no problem. I could do more push-ups than Alan Sliwa, no problem. Like, wh- who is this? Right, like I'm usually ultra overconfident about things. But in this particular instance, I'm like, yo, listen, I'm just washed up and old when it comes to You know, to confidence that. is something that we teach here. We need that in our guys in order to be able to run our sets. I don't really like this low energy from you, Scott. I'm Sean McVay. <laughs> hey, I'm just telling you, artists and Rams PR staff, hear me out. Take the local media, invite them to come out and run drills, go on the field, be coached by the coaches. They Why are you trying to it. kill Mason? No, right. I mean, we love you, Mason. We love you. Oh man! All right. Hey, listen, no, they do. They do do that in other markets, Cap. I'm sure we could arrange for it to happen. Yeah. Again, like I said, the first time I'd ever seen it was the Seattle Seahawks, and this is years ago when the Chargers were in San Diego, and I called the the PR guy and I go, "Listen, um, you know, you guys are trying to find a way to keep the team in town, and you kind of need the media on your side in this case. Why don't we do a media combine?" And they went, yeah, that's a great idea. And I'm like, yeah, I'd love to take credit for it, but it was the Seahawks. Mm. And they put it on, and it was awesome. So I'm saying to the Rams, before they, before you get beaten to the punch, put on a media combine, Rams. I'll be on. there. I'll, I'll, be, I'll, do play, I'll do play-by-play. We can have a Ooh. remote there for Ooh, all that. No play-by-play. you got to be involved, dude. Bro. He's going to kill the competition, You think right? they can afford your boy out there running around in my Ooh. sexy short shorts? Because they can't. Ooh. <laughs> I'm joking. I would do it. But, but we'll shout see. out to the Rams and Nike for doing that. Yeah, that, that is cool. You that is cool. Know. Thank yeah, you. Laura. That's really cool. Um, speaking of human beings challenging yeah. professionals in their sphere of um, excellence, mm-hmm. I believe there's something you wanted to bring up, Scott. Well, I do. I, I want to get your opinion on what happened last night between Russell Westbrook and an L.A. Times reporter. And listen, here's the thing. I will admit. I find the post-game press conferences, especially when the Lakers lose or get smashed like they did last night with no LeBron and no AD, not that we've expected AD, but I find these post-game press conferences to be more entertaining than the actual games. But truth be told, Clinton, I did not see this Russell Westbrook post-game press conference last night. So this morning I wake up and I got to get on my Peloton to work with my boy Alex Toussaint. Do you do you? You, you like the Peloton? By I'm chance? not in the club. I'm not one of you. No. You're out on Peloton. I'm not out. I'm just not in. Laura, I want you to know I did a 45 minute club bangers ride this morning with <laughs> Club Bangers awesome. is the one. <laughs> yep. <laughs> club well, bangers. bangers is a whole bit, Clinton. Go on. I know. That just made me laugh a lot. Go on. So I'm watching first take on ESPN this morning. There's no Stephen A. And they're talking about what happened last night 
with Russell Westbrook. And there was a very provocative headline. I wish I would have written it down or taken a picture. Very provocative headline. Like something bad happened between Russell Westbrook and the media last night in the postgame press conference. I'm like, ooh, what is this all about? I missed this. Because the game was so lame and so boring. I moved on. So I look it up. And I see it. And it's not that bad. But I got to say, I'm so tired of these athletes trying to intimidate the writers who are just there to do their job. You know, like this this whole notion of I'm going to intimidate you by putting it back on you. And then when you don't have the answer for me, then it's you who doesn't know what you're doing. And I love this guy, Brad Turner from the L.A. Times, was like, bro, you're a professional basketball player. I'm the guy with the questions. You're supposed to be the guy with the answers. Why are you looking at me like I'm the coach of the team? Yeah, I mean, it was it was it was a tricky exchange, but I think that and and I was oh well, let's hear it. How about that? No. Yeah, no. Why is that? Because it doesn't. It was a change. We still got games to play. Other teams still got games to play. We still got to play teams that's above us in the play-in. Don't really change much. What do you think should change? Winning. Okay, so okay, it's important. What do you think should change? It's important to note that the part where he asked him the question and Brad says winning, Russ gets up and walks out. Because right. at that point, I guess he's just tired of it, which is understandable. But there's a second part. It's longer. Let's hit that, Laura. You have the answer for winning? I'm not out there playing. Maybe I think I'm. You give me the answer for you think. <laughs> exactly. So, well, I don't have the answer. You know, I, exactly. If so you don't have it, you out there, I so can't have it. If you ask me to have an answer, you don't have it either. Well, me. but I don't play, Russell. If you, I want to get the information from you so that I can I'm give only it one to person, champ. Right. It's a team game. Right. So, I don't, I don't have an answer. Okay. Let me have it. I don't have it. So good. But I'm asking the pros who know the game, play the game, yeah, yeah. what you guys, what you think you can do to make it your point, yeah. their point, everybody's point. Sure. That's what I'm asking. No, I really don't. Okay. I respect that. Okay. You got that? You got that? You got that? No, respect. We can do it. It's good. We can You got that? All right, cool. You got it. Make sure record that. Yeah. Okay, so there's a couple things here. I, I think that intimidation is not what's happening in that situation. First of all, I don't think Brad was intimidated. And secondly, I don't want to put Russell onto that because that's just kind of how he talks. So I'll I'll give it that. But my issue with that exchange is that there's a certain element of, I just want to say bad faith communication, where it's like if you're going to ask somebody what they think, and then as soon as they answer, you just get up and leave. Well, why did you even ask that question? You know what I'm saying? Like if you really wanted to know what Brad thought was the issue, and you're asking him, even if you are being a little squirrely just in terms of what we know we're here for. Like, listen to him, man. You know what I'm saying? And if you're going to say something, don't just denigrate him for not being the pro. That's the whole point of the exchange. And, like, I just thought that that kind of was a little intellectually unfair. And it, it just came across as I, I just unnecessary. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, if we're going to have an honest exchange of ideas or opinions, let that be the case. But don't have it be... Okay, well, if you so know what, if you know so much, what you think, and then when they say what they think, you're acting like, well, what do you know anyway? Well, I mean, come on, man, you know what I'm saying? You just asked me what I thought, and that's where I thought it was a little, it got a little sideways. But they're obviously going to get along professionally. I just, from a smart standpoint, I don't get why those conversations go there. It's not an intimidation one for me. Yeah, for me, it is. I, I feel like the athlete is, hey, I'm the big, strong, superstar athlete, and you're the writer. 
and you have the audacity to ask me these questions, and then when I put it back on you and you don't have the answers, um, I'm going to get up and walk out on you and then kind of stand there kind of face-to-face. And then Russell Westbrook looks and realizes that everybody in the room has their phone out. You know why? Because every one of those guys is going, oh, I'm about to get a viral video right here. This is going to be interesting. Um, And I just feel like, Russ, it's just not that difficult, you know? The team stinks. The team is losing. There's no LeBron. There's no AD. You're the superstar that's remaining based on the on, the, on your past. And so you're going to get a lot of questions. And when, you, when you're when you asked questions, like there was part of that press conference where they were asking him about how Luka was going off, and he kind of was like, well, I wasn't defending against him, as if to say, you know, it wasn't me. And then when they ask him questions, he's like, hey, look, it's a team game. Like one at one moment, it's not about me, and in the next moment, it's a team game. I just – I feel like there's just so many inconsistencies to his personality. And I just wonder if anybody thought about any of these things before they decided to bring him to the Lakers. Because, man, oh, man, has he just brought a ton of unnecessary added fuel to the fire. That's I, I don't I, I mean, I hear you, but I, I don't actually this is kind of what my point is more largely to. I don't actually think it's that serious unless this offends you. And, like, to me, having seen many far more confrontational interactions between players and writers, this is a natural extension of the frustration of the season, which is why I think Brad ultimately was like, listen, bro, I'm just doing my job, and he's like me too. And so you can judge him at a higher level, Russell, that is, because he is the athlete and because this particular part of the performance is his job. But I don't need to be worrying about his personalities. I just, for me, it's a matter of, and this is why I said this a couple weeks ago, the DNPCD element. Why, Why are we putting Russell in this position? You know what I'm saying? Like if I'm if I'm in that presser too, I'm not saying I'm not asking about it because that's you know obviously what he's doing covering the game, but it's just kind of like, man, how many times are we going to do this? If you're tuning in simply to watch post game fireworks, Scott, to me that's not how I run a team. You know what I'm saying? I, that's not how I would be treating my players or how I would be handling this, especially when the season is completely up in smoke. Are Are you saying that you wouldn't have made him available to the media? Perhaps. I don't know, but this is part of the reason why I wouldn't necessarily be that pressed about. I, I don't really know how I would handle that, but I know that every single time I see Russell Westbrook in a press conference, it seems to be a problem outside of when he was talking about that sweatshirt that his son made for him, which was awesome. Yeah. Well, you know why? Because they won that game, so yeah. he was happy. That's fair. Hey, I'll tell you right now, shout out to Brad Turner. I thought Brad Turner handled himself like a total pro, um, didn't back down, um, I felt like he was smart in the way he tried to diffuse the situation. I loved the way he called him Russell. He didn't call him Russ. You know, he didn't call him Brody. He called him Russell. Uh, it was almost like a way of saying, hey, man, chill out. You know, I, I liked it. I thought Brad Turner did a great job and handled himself in that situation. So. That's to Brad. He comes on a lot with Slee. So. Yeah, very good job, Brad. Nice job, man. All right, stick around, everybody. Coming up, Clinton, I got some other things I want to talk to you like this. Are you a golf fan at all? Sort of. I can tell you on the other side. All right. I, because I'm, I'm asking because if Tiger's playing in the Masters, I'll be watching. Stick around. I want to get to that story coming up. This is Sedano and Cap on 710 ESPN. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. 
house. Good song. Talk about a banger. Yeah. I found myself... <laughs> this is a really weird story, but, like, I found myself listening to this song at a brunch solo, sobbing at my table. Whoa. Because I, like, I had gone home... What happened was this. I had gone back to D.C. for something, and I was actually in Baltimore, but I popped over to D.C. Mm. and I'd come back, and there was just all of these memories in my mind about like what I'd left and mm. things I liked. It was all coming back to It was all literally Aww. coming back to me, and I had a couple champagnes, and your boy oh. found himself on the Celine Dion, and it was great. I love this song. She hits I gotta, the fire. I got to ask a couple questions in there, though. Sure. You said you were having brunch by yourself. Well, I mean, it was brunch time. Point is, I was drinking before noon, and it was the weekend, and it was okay, in public. But, that's what brunch so, means. That's brunch, man. Yeah. <laughs> it's like brunch, that's what the picture is exactly, right next to yeah. it. Yep. Right, but you're by yourself, right? I was by myself only because I was waiting for a friend to come meet me, is what was happening. And you're, and you're drinking champagne, you said? Correct. And then... Is the song on in like the establishment? I think I think I had heard it somewhere. Yeah, there. Right, you're asking how I even got to that point because I yeah. don't have Celine Dion in the regular rotation Maybe or in the you, rotation. Like, heard role. it when you were in the restaurant. I think or it was like in a commercial or something, and it had, it had it had it had found its way into my head somehow, and I was like, "Huh, let me actually play that." Or it might have been, I might have been listening to like something else that it got into the you know into the algorithm al gore's rhythms as we like to call them on the internet but um and you and you started getting emotional very emotional i was listening to the song and i I ran it back that's how like (laughs) into it i was even though i was crying so you know i mean what are you gonna do it's all coming back to me now i understand listen i understand emotion sometimes you just you know this right song right time get you hit you here got me as they say yeah, or like just like I, Clinton, since we're going to share some feelings here right now. <laughs> um, last weekend, not this past weekend, the weekend before, girlfriend and I go away for a little weekend getaway because the Lakers were playing on Friday and Monday, so I had two days off, right? Oh, yeah, like you popped out to Morongo, just like the commercial? Um, not exactly. <laughs> we popped down to Loretto, Mexico. Oh. I don't know if you've seen any of my videos that I posted on social media, but we were on a boat. I did see that. we ran into a pod of orcas. So killer whales, you know? Okay. The kind of the kind of stuff you only see on TV. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm on this boat and I'm with my girlfriend and there's just me, her and the captain and the hand, you know, the the one guy there to help. Yeah. And these orcas are jumping out of the water. And I just have this like emotional reaction like oh my god. I have chartered a boat with my girl with a captain. Oh, yeah. And these orcas are jumping out of the water. <laughs> and I'm like, I all of a sudden, I just start, like, whimpering. Like, <laughs> like, like how did this happen? Didn't think and, it could be this great. And I got emotional. Yeah. I totally understand that. I mean, this is, listen, I, I cry, for lack of a better term, a lot, comparatively. You know what I'm saying? But this was one, Celine Dion, because I think it was also a situation where, um, where like, what, is that song on a soundtrack or something? Like, all coming back to me now. Where, where was that song originally from, or was it just a, a hit she dropped? I mean, it was a big hit, and it also had a very uh, emotional, graphic, video? memorable video. Okay, yes, music video. Because I felt like there it. was also some there was some time nostalgia there because I probably wasn't listening to like there's a lot of stuff that I didn't listen to at the time, but I understood was popular, but it wasn't my jam. So a certain amount of the song was relatively new to me in terms of like what it was really about. You know what I'm saying? And I was just like, oh. 
dear, I'm overcome. So, Scott, I totally understand. Sometimes you're in those life moments where you're like, I can't believe this is really my life. You know what I mean? And that's 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 how it is. Dude, if you and me wind up going to a Celine Dion concert together, <laughs> we're going to like have to hold hands. We're going to be crying. As long as we bring Kesha, it'll all be fine. <laughs> <laughs> right, in between us. <laughs> the video, I remember the vi- video very vividly. There was like a guy at the beginning, and he was in a motorcycle crash, and then he dies, and she's like haunted by him. Oh, no. It's very like... It's, Cinematic. Oh, it's, it's, it's intense, for sure. Oh, man. Laura's got it up on the screen here. She's all up in the wistful... Oh, man, the four-cornered bed with the full-blown silk sheets? Celine oh, really Celine. is a classic diva. Oh, no! The wind just blew down their picture! Oh! I could make a killing <laughs> play-by-play of Celine You were going to start videos. crying again. No, I wasn't, because this is so ridiculous that I'm laughing. But, <laughs> you know, thank you for that, Laura. She just turned around to show me. That's hilarious. <laughs> All right, Clint, let me ask you this. Today is Wednesday, and one week from today... The festivities get underway in Augusta at the, at the Masters. Mm-hmm. And there's been all this talk over the last couple of days that Tiger Woods has been down to Augusta. In fact, he played a round of golf the way it's been reported with his son. And I'm trying to remember some other PGA Tour player. I don't remember if it was Adam Scott or somebody like that. It was a Justin Thompson, I believe. Oh, Justin, Justin Thomas. Justin, okay, Justin Thomas. So, so Tiger is, I, I'm going to say prepping to attempt to play the Masters next week. And here's the thing. For everybody that tells me that Duke, North Carolina, this upcoming Saturday night will be the most watched NCAA tournament basketball game in the history of the NCAA tournament, if Tiger Woods plays in the Masters and somehow, some way, finds himself not, not purely trying to win on Sunday, but still in it on Sunday... I think this could be the most watched Masters of all time. That because already happened, Scott. Well, it has, but this could possibly <laughs> eclipse that. I don't think so. I, I don't. I, I think. I think. I think there's a well. I mean, like, yeah, people love Tiger. I like Tiger, but I, I think that, and I, this is this is as real as it gets. I like seeing Tiger play golf because it looks like where he's happiest. But there's just a little too many people that only associate Tiger Woods with their personal feelings about who they are and him winning. And it's like this dude, lucky to be alive, dealt with a lot of stuff. The best iteration of Tiger that I see now is one you mentioned earlier with Charlie. I mean, when he plays with his son, it's one of the most amazing things to look at in terms of humanizing Tiger on a certain level, in terms of how much Charlie is like him on a golf course, I think the reason why he's going to try to do this is that he can take his son to see it. I honestly think that that's what we're talking about here. I don't think he cares about winning. I think he cares about maybe getting around the track one last time. And again, having Charlie see this is what Dad did. Even though he was there that one time when he had a good run, I think it's a little different now that Charlie's older and might want to golf himself at a real level. I actually agree with you that I think Tiger Woods playing and him being as close with his son and we see them on the course together, how much they look alike, how much they play and and swing alike, and how good the kid is already, I think a lot of it is showing your children perseverance. Like, dad was the best, then dad just got into this terrible car accident to the point where people said, you know, he's lucky to be alive, and dad has spent a ton of time trying to get his body back together, not necessarily to come back to win the Masters, But you know what? I want to actually be able to go out there and play. So the lesson to be learned is, you know, this is about perseverance. This is about, you know, never giving up, 
never quitting. But I will say this, because now let me just be a little cynical. You ready? Do you follow at all what has happened here with Phil Nicholson? Is that on your radar? Yeah. I feel like there's a part of Tiger Woods that is just sticking it to Phil Mickelson just even that much more. Maybe, but here's the thing. I don't think that in 2022, anybody except for relatively extreme golf heads even think of that as a thing anymore. It's like, you know, like Tiger Woods exists in a completely different stratosphere for the average sports fan, and even I would say the average golf fan, than Phil. Because I hadn't even thought of that once. You know what I'm saying? And I'm not well, saying that I think of everything, though, but I, me, I think that that might be a reach. But let me, well, hold on. Let me tell you something. Um, I don't know if you saw this or not, but a few months ago, um, the PGA Tour has this thing that they do where if you're like the most successful social media influencer as a golfer, they give you a, a big bonus, a big financial bonus. And Mickelson put out a tweet where he said, hey, thanks to everybody for making me the number one PGA social media influencer. And I think he said something like, and because of you, I get an $8 million bonus. Okay. Well, then Tiger Woods sends out a tweet that says, whoops. And it turns out Tiger Woods was the number one PGA Tour social media influencer. And he only played in one event. That's all it took for Tiger to be far and away the most influential you know, person on social media. So Phil kind of sent out this tweet that he's the guy and Tiger totally trolled him. And now with all the controversy around Mickelson, which is, I don't know if you've heard about all of this. There's no but, controversy. He's a oh, jerk yeah. and he's not playing. Oh, that's no, not no, controversial. But, but Oh, but it's going to go way worse than that for Phil. This is why he is yeah, that's in why seclusion. I get it, but I, that's not as controversial as you think. He made an idiot move, embarrassed himself and to many extents, the league, and they sat him down. Well, That's called consequence. Yeah, but but I'm telling you, man, there's more to this story because the book that is supposed to be a tell-all book about Mickelson is, from what I'm being told, so unbelievably damaging to Mickelson's career that it has created all kinds of problems for him in his real life. And there may be, like, major, major financial problems because of gambling related stuff this is all i've been told this by some what i would call some very close sources so i feel like tiger in some ways is you know persevering showing his kids this is what perseverance looks like and on the other hand i just feel like again this is the cynical side like he's just going to take that one one more shot to phil while phil is as down as he is i don't think that i will be talking about phil mickelson Ever again, unless you bring him up. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. And I will be talking about Tiger Woods for the rest of my life. Yeah, Tiger Woods. I, listen, I hope. Listen, here's my hope. You ready? Yeah. I want Tiger Woods to go out there and shock the world. How incredible would that be? What, by running a 4-3-40? How's he going to shock the world? No, winning a golf winning tournament is not shocking the world. By He's winning Tiger. the Masters. He's Eldrick Woods. If he wins a golf tournament, it's not shocking. Because you no, know what he does no. best? Yeah. Win golf tournaments, no, but no, it should no, be man. good. He'll be it'll be one of those deals where if he's on the course, probably I mean, you know, he'll probably play two days. I don't see him making that cut necessarily. You know what I mean? But he'll probably have a dedicated cam those first couple of days, which is what we love. You know what I'm saying? I love how they do that. You can follow one golfer these days. That'll probably be a pretty big deal. Yeah, if Tiger Woods could be in this thing on Sunday, this would be one of the most incredible stories because to come back from these kinds of injuries and to come back yet again. 
But I'm just, this is just wishful thinking because I'm a huge Tiger fan. All right, stick around, everybody, because it is time for Big Deal or No Deal. That's next. This is Sedano and Cap with Clinton Yates in for Sedano. This is 710 ESPN. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. That's Sedano. It's your boy Yeehaw. What's up, Cap? Yo, do your thing, man. It's time to play Big Deal or No Deal. You ready to go? I am ready. I'm ready. All right. right, Here's Lindsay Baseball. Let's go. So country music superstar Eric Church, he's going to be amidst a sold-out crowd this Saturday, just not the one that he was supposed to headline. In a note to fans released through Ticketmaster today, Church announced that his show scheduled for Saturday night in San Antonio would be canceled. That's because he's going to be attending the Final Four matchup between his beloved Tar Heels and their arch rivals, the, Blue, the Duke Blue Devils. He wrote, quote, As a lifelong Carolina basketball fan, I've watched Carolina and Duke battle over the years, but to have them match up in the Final Four for the first time in the history of the NCAA tournament is any sports enthusiast's dream. This is also the most selfish thing I've ever asked my fans to do, to give up your Saturday night plans with us so that I can have this moment with my family and the sports community. So is the fact that Eric Church, who is a big country star, canceled a concert so he can go watch his team in the Final Four a big deal or no deal, Cap? I'm going to go with no deal for me, but I'm guessing if you were a Eric Church fan and you'd bought tickets, and you'd made plans, you probably would disagree with me, and you'd probably call this a big deal, a really big deal. But I want to get him at his best. I don't want him, like, thinking to himself, hey, this North Carolina Duke game is on, and I have no interest in being out here singing these songs and performing for these people because all I want to know is I want to check my phone to see what's going on in the game. So for me, because I'm not an Eric Church fan, and I wasn't going to the show, for me it's no deal, but I'll bet you for his fans they're probably – yeah, but if you're no deal for me, if you're a fan of the guy or the music, you should probably be a fan of him doing things that he likes. He's got an album called Carolina. You know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like this is about as easy of a layup to understand if you're a fan as there's going to be. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't an emergency change. It wasn't as if you learned something new about him that was not otherwise there. Duke and UNC, Final Four, Coach K, you know, Final potential final game this is an obvious one to me and i don't i mean sure if you're a fan you're upset because maybe you made plans in san antonio or whatever but like come on man this is obvious this is this is reasonable and i don't think he had to say that he was selfish at all he wants to watch a game that's not going to happen at a time that he can do other things makes sense to me 
Clinton, let's uh, so like let's the, come the back fan to base this is going crazy. The fan base is going crazy because like a lot of people like if people were talking about this a lot on Twitter earlier today, and people are like, oh, I'll never spend a dollar on him ever again, and that's the most selfish thing you could do, and like I I'm a Duke fan, and I wouldn't even do what you're doing, and I mean he is. He he did he didn't even like postpone it. He just straight up canceled it, refunded everybody's money. That's yes. a lot of money. Operative word there. Refunded everybody's money. And let me be clear about this, Los Angeles. Those fans are stupid. Moving right along. Hey, I want to revisit this, not necessarily related to Eric Church, but back to Coach K and Duke versus North Carolina on Saturday night. So let's keep going on big deal or no deal, but we got more time. I want to come back to that. Okay. All right, next one. So when Deshaun Watson was traded to the Browns, they gave him that big five-year, $230 million deal that was fully guaranteed. And Steve Bishotti is like many NFL executives who are not fans of that deal. The Ravens owner spoke at the annual league meetings yesterday, and he was openly critical of the Browns' decision to give Watson the massive deal. He said, quote, It's like, damn, I wish they hadn't guaranteed the whole contract. I don't know that he should have been the first guy to get a fully guaranteed contract. To me, that's something that's that groundbreaking. It'll make sense. It'll make negotiations harder with others. But it doesn't necessarily mean that we have to play that game, you know. We shall see. So is what Steve Bishotti said a big deal or no deal, Cap? I'm going to say it's a big deal. And the reason I think it's a big deal is because he's right in that. Because the Cleveland Browns gave Deshaun Watson, who is by virtue of the story, a controversial character, regardless of how you feel about him, because they gave him the contract they did, and it's fully guaranteed when NFL contracts aren't fully guaranteed. So when they give a guy who's got this sort of uh, an issue that's following him this amount of money and it's fully guaranteed, what do you suppose is going to happen next? The next guy in line for a monster contract is not only going to want the big signing bonus and the upfront money, that player is going to want and expect that the standard has been set and now I'm I'm in, I'm tight I'm entitled to a fully guaranteed contract. And I think that the Browns I, I don't think that they thought this thing through and how it would be seen by other ownership around the NFL. So um, I think it's a big deal. The reason it's a big deal is because of what Scott said. It's about the rest of the league. Forget about the Browns. Um, it's more about the fact that, like, when it comes to how contracts are negotiated, it's not just the NFL with itself. It's the NFL with the rest of the world in terms of, like, you know, when the movement of player empowerment has led us to a series of things that have forced – have allowed players to do a lot more. I'm thinking of LeBron James, for example, a bunch of one- and two-year contracts that give him a lot more flexibility. These are all guaranteed. It's a big deal because if the NFL moves to that kind of a model, everything sort of changes. You know, he revealed the quiet part out loud, Bashadi did, which is that we're definitely not trying to pay people as much as they're worth, or we're trying to make sure that we only pay people as little as we can. That was probably not the best move in terms of understanding what it is that your workforce wants. And so you don't need to sign guys to $10 million deals, or rather 10-year deals, if guys would probably take two or three guaranteed. It just kind of changes the way you do business overall. And for him to say that out loud, I thought it was a bit of a mistake. But Lamar Jackson responded to it, and he said he's not trying to go anywhere. So I think it'll work out overall. But, yeah, I mean, if it, revealing that wage suppression is some part of your operation, probably not the best idea for an owner in the league.
Yeah, but you know what, Clinton? I'll tell you, man, I'll t- a quick story about this. I remember when Adrian Gonzalez, who's now going to be doing pre- and post-game for Dodger games on television, but years ago when Adrian Gonzalez was um, was trying to figure out what he was going to do, this is before he left San Diego and went to Boston and before he left Boston and went to L.A., I remember talking to him and saying, well, why don't you just take less money to stay home? And his answer was, because if I take less money, I'm really screwing over my peers, the guys who are going to come from behind. You know, the, the next guy, the next big star first baseman is going to say, well, I'm not going to make as much because Adrian took less. Yeah, but that's that's a different model. That's what my point is. If you're going from longer non-guaranteed contracts to shorter guaranteed contracts, you're switching the larger model. You're not just operating within the data points of it already being there. That's why it's a larger discussion, because it's like if Lamar Jackson says, I want two years, whatever, 100 million, what are they going to say? No. You know what I'm saying? Like it, it changes it from a point of player power, not necessarily the other way around because of where it already is, not just because of where it might go. You're exactly right. Yeah. You're a thousand percent right on. But if you're the owner, you're like, do I really want to give this guy a fully guaranteed hundred million dollar contract? Because all of a sudden in game two, he blows out his knee and he never plays again. In I'm just giving an extreme example, but the money's guaranteed. That's always been the football model. Yeah, well, that that's it's my not point. guaranteed. That model might need to change. They expect people to keep playing football. You know what I mean? The Cleveland Browns may have changed the entire model with Deshaun Watson. That's a very interesting point. No, the idea is that the Ravens might change the model with Lamar. That's the point. All right. Can well, we Adam, Adam Schefter, yeah, real quick. Adam Schefter did say the other day that the Browns, like what the Browns did, like obviously the rest of the league is not happy about it. And he said that they like single-handedly changed the way that pairs are played. Like, I'm not buying that. The Browns are idiots, forward. and everybody knows that. And so, like, I think that this corrects. Any, any chance you have to just take a shot at the Browns, you know? Any, t- any, like, who cares about the Browns? Any chance you have? I'm sorry, you know? did, I, did I, I, I? Yeah, you struck a nerve. You did know, I you're wake up yesterday and realize that the Clinton. Browns are a rele- relevant franchise in the NFL? What, what are we talking it's about? It's all right. It's all right. I get it. I get Sitting it. Sitting in Los Angeles with the Super Bowl champions are right here celebrating. You know, that's something that we it's do so well. Rain. We make sure that we have all of our departments in line. Multiples is something that we do. I'm Sean McVay. I've won more Super Bowls than the Browns. Anyway, what I'm saying is that it's not about what the Browns might do. It's about what the next thing is. And if Lamar says, actually, I don't need all that. Just give me what I'm worth in the time I want to do it. That's what changes the model, not what happened beforehand. I'm talking about that from a business standpoint. Okay, so sports fans these days notice everything. And Lakers fans are no different because two days ago, one fan tweeted about how the Lakers never use LeBron in post-game social yes. media graphics that give the final st- score after a loss. That led another fan named Kenny Beecham to do a deep dive into the Lakers' Twitter account. He discovered that the Lakers literally have never once used LeBron in a graphic from a loss. Do other stars get featured in those lost graphics? Sure. Steph Curry, Giannis, Luka, they all have. So is the fact that the Lakers never put LeBron on that final score graphic and a loss, a big deal or no deal. Clinton? Now, this is a big deal to me because this gets into, I actually think, Scott, a reasonable entry point to the real Laker discussion. Because what is intonated in this is that he has some sort of contractual clause that doesn't allow him to be associated with losing in public. And that, to me, is pretty lame. Like, just as far as a lot of this stuff goes, if you're that concerned about what's happening on social media with your team, I don't love that. That's actually a point where I agree with Laker fans who think that some of LeBron's actions are not necessarily that petty. Right. You know, they don't necessarily think that LeBron is connecting to the community. If this is really the case... I, I tend to agree with them. I'm not. I'm not a big fan of this. 
Yeah, I'm going to make this quick because we're up against a break. I think it's a big deal, too. And I was shocked when the guy went back and, like you said, Lindsay, did a deep dive and he found out never one time <laughs> has LeBron's face been used on a loss. Russ has, AD has, you know, all these other guys have, but not LeBron. And I was absolutely shocked to find out that that was actually the case. So, yeah, I think it's a really big deal. All right, stick around. we got a lot more to finish up with here. Um, Clinton Yates yes. is in for George Sedano. And, and we have there's been so much stuff we still haven't gotten to yet today, including, Clinton, I want to ask you this question. Contemplate this during the break. Do you do any wagering of any kind on sports? And I want to tell you why I'm asking the question. Coming right back. This is Sedano and Cap on 710 ESPN. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. <laughs> oh, man, that's great. That is right. fantastic. L- let me reset this story, though, for anybody that did not hear it. Clinton Yates is in today for George Sedano. Clinton will be back with us tomorrow. Yep. Uh, although tomorrow, Clinton, we got a short show. Yeah, we got a little, little shorty. So just just tell the story again for anybody that's tuning in and missed it earlier because it's a great story. The short version is this, and there'll be a video up of it on social later because that's what we were doing. We were actually photographing me and filming me tell this story. Short version is this. Wacky radio bit involves me, Scott, and Greg going down to the Lakers game in rompims. My rompim happened to look great. As the president of the local chapter of the Handsome Man community, this is not news. However, when we got to the suites... I happen to pop over to a suite to see a couple friends of mine, a couple friends we know who happen to be in the television business, Mina Kimes and Pablo Torre. I'll also add, parenthetically, that I had not added before, Scott made a beeline to introduce himself to Mina. When well, you, know what, happened, you know what the thing is? is which was fantastic. Walking, yeah, she's walking into the, the suite. I'm walking into our suite. And uh, two years ago at the Super Bowl, I was there, and the guys on my podcast were like, yo, there's Mina Kimes. i got to get a picture with her. And I'm like, who's that? Like, I mean, I literally two years ago did not know who Mina Kimes was. So she's come on the show with me and George like ten times, and I'm like, I might as well say hello and gotcha. introduce myself. That's what's so up. I wanted to put a face with a name. So so now, keep going. You go over to the no, suite. No, no, no. So I go over. I'm, we're in our suite, the ESPN LA suite. Everybody's there. Some listeners are there. Other people are there. Kate's is there. And so I look over, and I say, hey, by the way, I'm wearing this ridiculous romper because I'm with these fools. Look at the blast we're having. They're like, no worries. You look fantastic. Another guy who I don't know says, you know these guys? Come on over. I come on over. Next thing I know, Kesha asked me if I want to be her boyfriend for the night in front of a whole bunch of people. And I was like, nice offer. No thanks. I'm taken. I'm going to go see my friends now. And that's the story. It was great. Yeah. And I was like, um, who's Kesha? Yeah. Well, which is. Probably not shocking to anybody. That's that's, that's fine. But it, it was uh, it was a fun ident- – it was a nice cherry on top of an already absurd cupcake. All right, let me ask you a question because I asked you this before the break. Do you wager on sports at all? I do not. Nor do I. Uh, have you ever bet on any games of any kind? I have not. Okay. I bet on one game one time in my life. I'm about 19 years old. I'm in college. I got these guys who live next door to me, and they're telling me, they're like, yo – you should put a couple dollars on the game time, Monday Night Football. I'm like, um, what do you, I don't get it, guys. Tell me more. I don't understand. They're like, well, we're going to call our bookie, 
and we're going to put some money on the game. And I think the Buffalo Bills were playing the Cincinnati Bengals. It was Jim Kelly's Buffalo Bills, old school. And I'm like, oh, the Bills are going to kill the Bengals. So what do I do, guys? And they're like, well, tell us what you want to bet. I'll take $50 for for the, the Bills to win. Lo and behold, the Bills lose, right? And the next day, they're like, "Yo, we need we need that fifty bucks." And I'm like, "Oh, oh, you you have oh you have to pay that? Oh, I didn't I didn't realize that." So I lost my first bet on a football game, Clinton. If I would have won that bet, who knows what where I might be right now? You know, I mean, yeah. I, I, I'd probably be a, 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 a sports gambler. Yeah, that I'm seems not... to be a pretty reasonable extrapolation. <laughs> yeah, no, so I'm not at all. Yeah, but, I, I don't but, I don't bet because I like money too much. But a friend of mine, I don't want to say who, a friend of mine told me last night that he bet $7 on one of these daily fantasy kind of sites, you know? DFS. He's, he bet $7, and the $7 wager won him 1000 bucks. He probably had a pretty wild parlay. I'm guessing five or, six, five or six, probably even ten teams. Okay, so I asked him, I said, can you explain to me how you turn $7 into $1,000? And he said, well, I had these, just like you said, all these parlays. Now, I wouldn't know how to put a parlay bet together to save my life. But I sent it to Lindsay. Lindsay, have you been able to read and understand what this friend of mine did? What kind of wager he made that $7 could turn into $1,000? Because let me tell you something. In horse racing, that's the only betting I do. In horse racing, if you put down a $7 win bet, that horse would have to be like 250 to 1 for the $7 to turn into $1,000. Well, I mean, I, as somebody who does a lot of wagering myself, especially when I'm in Vegas, I'm a big fan of the parlays because, you know, you just put like a couple bucks on them like your friend did seven bucks. I put like five dollars on some weird parlays like like there was a guy that just last week in the news who put like five bucks on seven different t- teams like players to score the first basket. And he won and he won like a million dollars. But yeah. anyway, this this particular parlay was. Uh, let's see, it was one, two, three, four, five, six. So you had to have Giannis score over, get over 12 and a half rebounds. The Milwaukee Bucks had to win money line bet. Uh, James Harden had to make over two, two and a half threes. And then in a different game, uh, Kevin Durant had to make over two and a half threes. A different game, Russell Westbrook had to make over 19 and a half points and Luca had to score over eight and a half points. So all of those things had to happen. He put seven bucks on it for them to win. So Scott, let me, let me, let me say this quickly. I mean, I think that there's, there's a difference between do I gamble and do I understand the gambling world And my band, you better get on the boat, bro, because uh, that's pretty much where this business is going. If you don't oh, I'm well understand parlays and all the parlance of, of, of the gambling world, you're going to get left, player, because they're, they're the ones buying everything up in terms of, like, media opportunities and all that. So I only, the only reason I say that is because I don't gamble. I'm a grown man. I'm not going to start doing something at this stage that's that, you know, sort of injurious to my life potentially. But I do have a lot of friends who do gamble, and I, I kind of appreciate, now that it is mainstream, what the gambling world brings to the table. Bad Beats by Scott Van Pelt, one of the best segments on the network, straight up. So I'm kind of in, but I'm out in that way. Yeah, no, I'm I'm well aware, and I'm I I know that the gambling world is taking over, and that it will be a much larger conversation, particularly on sports radio going forward, because this this whole thing about the ease of gambling is so attractive to young males in particular. But let me ask this question though, Lindsay, when you look at the wager the way it was done, 
is that somebody being creative? Like, okay, I'm going to say Giannis has to do this, and Russell Westbrook has to do that, and Luca has to do this, and Durant has to do that. Is it is it somebody being creative and coming up with this, or is it the actual wagering platform saying, here's a bet you can make. If you take these five things, it'll only cost you $7. Do you want to take this risk? Is that how it works? You have to pick them out yourself. Like, the way that I do it when I do parlays, like, I'll – I'll pick, I'll do it the same exact way. You can like open like the special parlay ticket page and you can just pick random things from games. And then each one you add, it shows your odds going up and up and up, which means right. like your win goes up. So, all right. I want to yeah. try this. I mean, for seven bucks, why not learn how to experiment? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Do it. Yeah. I mean, you know, people make whole livings off of this and I know that I'm, I mean, what I know is that I like watching sports because I like watching sports. Some people need a little extra juice to get them interested, and I got no issues with that. It's about time it was legal. It's a separate matter. Yeah, yeah. Clinton, give me an idea. What do you got going on for dinner tonight? I'm trying to figure out something creative, different, you know, maybe get together with a girlfriend tonight. You know what I actually uh, did yesterday quickly? I uh, My cousin posted a recipe, and it looked so good. I told him to send it to me, and then I made that. It was a honey-glazed chicken with uh, sautéed kale and uh Bell peppers. It was good. This this happened last night. This happened two nights ago. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Any any plans tonight? Any thoughts tonight? No. Got an airport pickup. That's about it. But I live close to the airport, so it's okay. Okay, Laura. You got any concepts? Any ideas? I mean, now that you got your own place, are you making dinners at home? Are you going out everywhere? Tell me. Um, I'm still moving, so I'm going out <laughs> every all the time. I'm actually gonna go have sushi with friends. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. Okay, Linz. Any any thoughts? Any ideas? You should make your own pizza. That's like a fun, a fun, healthy thing to do. Make your own pizza. Mm. Mm. You're like, no, too much work. Your pizza is the one thing oh. that's that's kind of tough to say. It's easier to do because delivery is you buy, the method. You, yeah. you go buy the you buy the pizza dough. <laughs> you buy the pizza dough, and everyone makes their own. You know, it's no. way, it tastes better. It's healthier. It sounds like fun, but anyway, I'll be back right, tomorrow. Clinton, I will see you tomorrow, Clinton yeah. Yates. Great job by you. Amazing work by Lindsay and Laura. Thanks to all the 710 listeners. We're back tomorrow at 4. Until then, peace out, everybody.